Hey, this is the Pandola Project with your Monday motivation. I'm Matt Pandola. Hello, Matt Pandola. I am Jake Parker. Matt, what are we talking about today? Yeah, man. I just had in the back of my mind, I wanted to talk about this subject for a while, but I got a text last week from a former client asking me what I thought about the Game Changer. I don't know if you've heard of that documentary, Jake. I haven't yet. Is this on one of the streaming services? I do have Netflix. Yeah, you can get it on Netflix. Okay. And it was an interesting documentary. It's about basically being vegan and the benefits of being a vegan. Okay, which I will give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure there are some, but uh, I'll tell you my experience with veganism. I tried it, I think, for like four months, a few years ago when I first really heard of it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I had grown up with the food pyramid as a kid and I was like, yeah, meat is bad. So I should not eat red meat ever. Um, I didn't feel very good. But I know some vegans, and they claim that it works for them, and I say, good for you. So you are eating meat again. I am. I have been for a few years now, and I feel better than I did without it. But to give it a little bit more credit, I don't think I did it properly. I didn't do it very smart. So what do you mean by smart? Because this does lead me into the topic today. Yeah, I just basically stopped eating meat. And so at the time, I was still eating lots of processed grains, pastas, breads, less vegetables than I do now, less leafy greens than I do now. And I also wasn't taking any supplements that now I, I would supplement if I were to try veganism again, which I won't. But if I were, I would take some supplements. Okay. So this can be a bit of a religion, if you will, for some people. They get very, very emotional. Oh, yeah. All right. About it should be this vegan approach for example, if there are people who are vegan listening, don't worry, we're not going to put that down. We're also not going to put any other lifestyle down in order to elevate a thought. So the idea to me is that we just look objectively at what benefits we can get from a different approach. But looking at this documentary, there was a lot of interesting data that they gave. So obviously there's the benefits of anti-inflammation that they talked about. There's benefits of weight loss, lowering your blood pressure, your cholesterol. These type of things are very motivating and inspiring. People might want to try a different approach if they have these type of issues. But I'm just still going to bring it back to what is your set point? So you mentioned before that you had tried going vegan and it didn't work that well for you. So let's be fair. You didn't necessarily have a set point to start with. No, I was very ill-informed on where I was currently in my life, and I didn't really properly do it. In, in hindsight, I should have increased certain things and decreased others along with the meat. Okay. So this is oftentimes where I like to start. What is your plan, and what is that plan based off of? So if you are going to write down your nutrition for three days to a week and get an honest idea about what your set point is, from there you can start to look at maybe some of the areas that need improvement that are obvious to you, right? So this is, again, something that I like to just take an objective approach with. If I have higher cholesterol, let's say, and blood pressure, which I actually do have higher blood pressure and I have to watch that. 
if I'm going to cut out, let's say, bacon mm-hmm. out of my plan, is that going to affect my numbers? Well, it probably will. And it probably will help because now I'm replacing that bacon with something that my body needs more of. When I follow a program, I try to look objectively at taking out maybe one thing at a time so I can look and see what are these differences for my body by doing this. But when you have somebody switch gears very quickly, first of all, if you go vegan overnight, probably not good odds that you're going to be able to maintain that because it's such a huge change so dramatically, so quickly. And a lot of it comes down to planning. Did you plan out your shopping list? Did you get all the foods that you need in your cupboard, in your refrigerator so that you're prepared and you don't have to do that last minute option? Or have you really looked at what it is that's affecting you physically and maybe you just need to make a smaller change in that case. I look at it a little bit more along the lines of what type of foods can I choose from that I'm not getting in enough of right now. So if I am looking at my three days or a week, now I'm going to compare those numbers, those days to the training that I'm doing, to the recovery I'm getting and start to make some small changes and tweaks there. For example, in this documentary, they had firefighters who were at risk for heart disease. Mm -hmm. And that was the number one killer of firefighters. Very common. Yeah. And I'd argue that that's not just with firefighters, but this was a good example because, of course, you automatically think, okay, fire, that's the big danger in, in your career. And, oh, nope, it is heart disease because, well... You're sitting around waiting for a call. You're maybe snacking a little bit more. So we can take the firefighter, for example. It's going to be a job with high risk, but very seldom is the risk going to be extremely high. When it's high, it tends to be very high. Mm -hmm. But really the higher risk for them is what is happening during all that downtime when they're waiting on the call. What is their lifestyle like? And are you taking a close look at that? So by giving them groceries for a week and saying that all you're going to do is eat these vegan options that we've given you, we went out shopping, we gave you these options, you just eat these foods, is that going to dramatically change your numbers in a week? Well, it could, especially if all of a sudden now you're not eating the pork grinds when you're bored. And I find that when I'm bored, I tend to snack more and Me too. eat more, right? Absolutely. And that's, again, a habitual thing. We've talked about habits. Are these habits that are helping us or hurting us? So just the fact that they're not snacking on meat or products that let's say even have a lot of fillers in them, not even just meat, but products with a lot of fillers in them we don't really want in our body, but we're bored. So we're taking in the saturated fats. We're taking in these additional sugars that we don't really need, et cetera. So now we have just these groceries that have already been purchased for us. They're out there on the counter. We're just going to eat these instead. And kudos for them. They're eating what they were given in this plan for a week. And they also know that they're going to be monitored and they're going to have another blood test. So it gives them 
something, an objective, a small goal to reach for that's not too far out in the future. And I I encourage that. I think that a lot of times we have to set micro goals. So we are setting these goals that are just a little bit further out of our comfort zone that we can reach for and obtain, but they're not too overbearing. So I like that we have this example from the firefighters, but I would take the objective look and say, just because we cut out meat, does that mean that that was what helped us so much in our test a week later? We lost some fat, we dropped our cholesterol, dropped blood pressure, that's phenomenal. But is that necessarily just because we got rid of meat or is that because we got rid of crappy meat? Yeah, again, what is your set point? If your average daily diet is absolute garbage and then you have someone who is going to only feed you, you know, organic vegetables and greens, chances are you're going to see some benefit from that. Right. And then, of course, we always want to look at the long term. Are we able to continue with this? lifestyle. Some people, yes, and you mentioned before, you know people that mm-hmm. are vegan and do really well off they of it. They do. So I'll just give you an example here, but for myself, training for more distance events right now, I am going to lose more weight because the amount of calories that I'm burning. So I need to make sure that I'm getting in enough additional calories. I don't lose too much weight. So that generally comes from carbs. So cardio conditioning increases and we don't want to lose more weight. We tend to take in more carbohydrates. But in general, carbohydrates are going to give us more energy. Mm -hmm. And so after my CIM marathon is over and I'm not running as many miles and I'm not doing as much conditioning, that's when mental flexibility will step in and I probably will even crave more proteins, that is generally when I start to increase my strength training as my conditioning decreases. So there's some checks and balances there. So now let's switch gears and talk about another popular diet, if you will. Jake, aren't you doing intermittent fasting right now? Yeah, if you were to give it a name, yes, intermittent fasting. I eat from the hours of 1 to 7 p.m. on the days that I am following that, which is probably four to five days out of the week. I I don't follow it religiously, but yeah, intermittent fasting is what you would call that. Okay, so another good example of something that can work, but are we stuck with 1 to 7, for example? It's more so the hours of the window when you're not eating. So if I eat later the night before, I'll push it back the next day. I'll eat at 2 p.m. And same with the opposite. If I eat dinner really early and then go to bed and then I'm hungrier in the morning, the following morning, I will eat earlier. Okay. So I have followed and do follow some versions of that myself, but... As I told you, I don't label anything in my mind. I'm just maybe picking the best that I can get from each, if you will, diet. Quote unquote diet, yeah. I'm I'm picking what I think works for me. Intermittent fasting is an option where ultimately you are going to get a window of time where you can eat from, let's say, anywhere from as little as four hours to eight hours. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I think it works for people because 
it's a plan where they probably take in less overall calories by using that window. That's my case, yes. And so that's if it works for you. That's another good example of something that you can use as an approach towards your goals. But are you waking up hungry? Now, we talked about this last week. If you have a morning where you're waking up hungry and you put some coconut oil in your coffee or something like that, did you ruin your fasting? Well, according to intermittent fasting, yes. But as far as I actually feel, no. And it also depends on the context of what I'm doing. If I have, you know, a very intense strength training day early that morning, I probably don't want to go into that completely fasted. So there's going to be research out there that says you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be research out there that says you're right. Again, don't fall into prey of what this study says or that study is about. Wasn't there a study that you read about with intermittent fasting? It was mainly done on rats, Jake. Uh, yeah, that was the one that they got more growth hormone. So if you were trying to build muscle, the headline was trying to sell you, if you want to build muscle and lose fat, intermittent fasting. And that was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. Right. I'm just trying to allow people to be more aware that just because you hear something or even see a study that supports something, it doesn't mean that that study, it just doesn't mean it's true just because it's out there. Yeah. If you are a scientist studying these fields of nutrition, maybe you could understand it in its proper context. But for those regular people like you and me, Matt, don't try to interpret scientific studies through media reports. And this is just my opinion, of course, but I will say that whatever I talk about, I've done it. I don't talk about things that I have no experience in. That's one of my hard, fast rules. So having some coconut oil in the morning in my coffee, that's not, to me, going to change anything because I have experienced calories in versus calories out as being the main factor in my weight loss, if I'm trying to lose body fat, for example, then that's going to be part of the factor, but not whether or not I had a few calories in the morning and now I don't eat for until say two o'clock. What does that really mean? Well, it means that overall my calories are going to be less that day. And that's what it boils down to. But instead of being hungry all day, I had some fats and I had some fats that I feel help me to think clear so I have better cognitive response if I'm working, doing my office work or my desk work. I have better results. I feel like I'm more efficient. And so I like to get in some good fats in the morning. But let's say I'm going to have breakfast one morning because I'm really hungry. Because I've gone into maybe a harder conditioning phase in my training, or I've really hit it hard with a quality day, it could have been the day before, it could have been even two days before, but I just feel hungrier than I normally am when I wake up. I don't starve myself, so I don't have any problems with having some breakfast in the morning if that's what I need. Yeah, adjusting it to the rest of your lifestyle, I think, is crucial. For me, my biggest benefit from it is my cognitive function, and I don't really function well. If I've had a big breakfast, you know, all the blood is going to your digestion and less is in your brain. In my mornings at my day job, I, I need that cognitive ability. 
at one o'clock I can eat and then I can digest, rest a little bit more. My day kind of slows its pace and that, that helps me a lot get through my mornings and function better if I don't eat until about that time. Yeah. So what we're really talking about here is finding out what works for you, but just having a conversation about how we find out what works for us. You have to have a plan and you have to log in. You have to have something that you can create as a set point. I keep going back to set points because they're so important. Once you've done that, you have the mental flexibility to start to make some better decisions. So are there people out there that they feel like they're hungry and they're so used to telling themselves they're hungry, but really they're just bored or they're used to eating at that time. So I'm not saying that there aren't some adjustments that can be made. And maybe in the beginning, you are fooling yourself and thinking that you need to eat when really you don't, or maybe you'd be better off just having a big ass salad, not having all the extra calories in there. You just need some good quality nutrients and that is going to sustain you, but yet you haven't taken in a lot of calories by having that big ass salad, for example. So there are ways that you can explore and see what works for you. I might have a day or a week where I'm not getting in as many calories overall, and the next day or week I'm getting in even sometimes twice the amount of calories. That's the mental flexibility part that I've been able to build into, and I feel very good about where I'm at, but it took me a while to get there. So it takes time, but it is worth it to figure out what works for you. All right, Matt, you know, it would be negligent of us to do this episode without talking about the other big one out there. And again, I have tried this one, keto, man, the high fat, moderate protein and low, extremely low, in some case, carbs. Yeah, that's also something that a lot of people swear by. A lot of people are trying it. Why did you try it? I was looking at the same internet articles that everybody else was, and I saw carbs are what make you fat and protein is what makes you strong. So let's talk about the psychology behind that for a moment. I think that we see something, a documentary, like we mentioned before, or an article, and it gives us all of the bullet points of what our problems are. And it tells us, okay, this will fix it. Right. So we get really excited, really motivated to do this thing. Ah, this is, this has been the problem. This is what I need to change. Once I go keto, my life is going to change. That I am sorry to say is not usually the best solution for you. Going off of what has worked for maybe one person out of a thousand. I'm not saying that keto doesn't work. Anybody on keto, if it's working for you, fantastic. But it seems like a lot of these studies and a lot of these documentaries, they're talking about this one athlete in this sport and then this other athlete in this sport and this other person who's been successful in this arena, this area, they're not talking about the other thousand people that have achieved results other ways. And it seems so dramatic to me, this athlete increased their bench press by 19% by using this program, this nutrition program. Well, 
to me, that's when those numbers, there's something wrong with that. There's something that's atypical about that number. So having the idea that I'm going to increase my bench press by 19% just because I started going keto or I'm a vegan now, it doesn't correlate like that. That I definitely don't buy into. I do think that there are some people that have even a placebo effect to where they think, well, because I'm doing this new program, it's creating such a huge change in me. Now they are giving themselves permission to go that much harder or to be that much stronger, but they had the capabilities, at least in my opinion, they always had those capabilities or within percentages of those capabilities, but we're not going to all of a sudden be 20% stronger because we switched over to something new. Yeah. They also tend to exhibit a lot more motivation because they're really invested in this process now and they're trying this new diet and it's going to work because it worked for Bob. And so now I'm going to increase my numbers. I'm going to be so much stronger and leaner. Um, yeah, good for Bob, but you're, you're not Bob. Right. So why didn't you keep up with keto? I did not feel great. I kind of fooled myself into feeling better for maybe a few weeks and I gave it a, a good solid try. I tried keto for about six months and I saw some positive results and some negative results. After about a month, my energy absolutely plummeted because I was eating no carbs. Yeah, so I appreciate your honesty here because I think people need to hear this. And if you're shaking your head right now saying, no, this works and this works for, again, remember that maybe for you, that particular program might've been just the right recipe that you needed. But all too often I hear that people did this for six weeks to six months and then could not continue on it because they didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Changes are generally made because you made a change and you feel different, you feel better. And I think anything you haven't been doing can have a positive effect as long as there's um, some health and science behind what you're doing. But there's a tipping point where now your body has adjusted to that. And because it's made those adjustments, you're not necessarily getting all the benefits that you felt initially now maybe it's time for another change. You feel yourself going back and forth and yo-yoing, and that's what they call the yo-yo diet. Well, now it's, now I have to try this diet. Now I have to try this one. My suggestion to people, what I plead with my clients to do is to take the best out of everything that you're learning, applying it, find out what's working for you, and keep up with those things that really work for you. So, Jake, is there any diet out there that is the best diet? Yeah, mine. Right. So it's really not any one diet that works, in my opinion. It's maybe some of the best parts of that that work for you, and you're taking other parts of another idea that work for you, and you are putting that into your own programming. And that's the mental flexibility part. As I mentioned before, there might be times when I would be 
quote unquote intermittent fasting, or at least that's what people looking at my day or days would assume that I was doing intermittent fasting. But then if, if you kept watching my programming and you paid attention to my year round programming, you would see that, oh, now it looks like he's almost going a little bit more vegetarian style because he's eating a ton of vegetables and not that much protein or maybe only taking in salmon and eggs and things like this that are are a little bit more conducive for parts of my training where I'm getting in a lot more high quality fats, supportive protein, enough carbohydrates, but now I'm switching over to more let's say progressive overload in mechanical loading in the gym, I'm going to switch it up again, not because I'm trying to yo-yo or switch back and forth because I'm concerned so much with my weight, but I'm more concerned with my performance. And I do believe that's another big factor is how you feel. When I say performance, pay attention to how you feel. When you don't feel good, your body's trying to tell you something and you probably need to make some changes. Don't get so stuck in, well, this is what this diet says, so I'm just gonna keep doing this, even though I'm not really feeling that great anymore. Maybe I did it initially, and now I just don't feel that same response anymore. Your body probably needs something different, so that's where I think that variation and putting variety into your nutrition plan is what is the most effective and what that looks like truly is a unique program for every person. Yeah, and I do agree with your last point that you have to give it at least six weeks or so if you're going to make some kind of a serious change because any change is going to change your body chemistry, right? Like an example, I have a friend of mine who is a strict vegan and she tried a little bit of tri-tip one night and the next morning she said, I feel really terrible, my stomach hurts, meat is bad. And I was like, well, maybe for you, but it could also just be like, if you haven't had literally any red meat for like five years, then you basically just sent off a bomb into your stomach. It's going to take a minute to adjust to that. Yeah. It, it takes a little bit of ramping, if you will. And here's another good example that I think will help people understand. I thought maybe I was gluten intolerant for a while and I had some really bad reactions to gluten. And then I start looking at, well, how many people really have celiac, which I don't have, not many, right? And so that's where you have just no, you have no tolerance for gluten whatsoever. And then there's also some gluten intolerance that people have. And they say that there's about 90% of the population that doesn't have any issues with gluten intolerance and only about 10% do. So I started to look at how I was combining my fuels. So if I just take in gluten alone, or if I have, let's say, salad with some sourdough, is that going to upset my stomach? Am I going to have digestive issues when I do that? Or is it when I have chicken salad with sourdough? What I'm seeing is that it's more about when I combine meat with gluten, there's now a conflict for me and it causes more inflammation, or at least that's what I'm discovering about myself. So it's more about how I'm combining certain foods. So again, you look at that particular meal and you might think, oh, he's trying to go vegan. Well, 
not necessarily. I'm just trying to mix foods so it works better for me in that circumstance. And there are times when I want to store up more with carbohydrates. So it's more important for me to get in those veggies and then some additional starches, for example. So it's not the gluten so much to me. It's going to be more about how I combine the gluten with other things. And that's just an example of how things get very individualized for people. And how do I know this? Well, I have to experiment. I have to pay attention and I have to document. So I have a set point to go off of. That gives me better understanding about how my body works. Yep. Context is so important. And we've talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect on this podcast before. The more you start to learn about nutrition science and how much chemistry is involved, the more you realize... I don't know hardly anything about nutrition science. And so if you're just getting your information from headlines, be very careful because you're not getting the full story. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. When it comes to nutrition, when it comes to training, when it comes to your health in general, I think that keeping it simple is always better approach. Get the most bang for your buck you can out of what you're doing, but it doesn't need to be that complicated. So to wrap it up, did I learn things from being a vegan for a little bit? Absolutely. Did I learn things from keto? Absolutely. That I will continue because they were good lessons. And one more hot topic that I do tend to deal with a lot with athletes is should athletes be eating meat versus vegan athletes? Now, we see in that documentary Game Changers, there's obviously athletes that are vegan that have high, high levels of success, you know, very, very top levels of success. But again, there are just as many, if not more athletes that have had the same levels of success and they're not vegan. You'll never see that from that documentary. Right. But this is what I like to tell my athletes is that if you are going to be vegan, I don't have a problem with that. It's just that you have to look at what you are putting into your body and you have to plan those things out. And it takes a lot of preparation and planning to make sure that you are getting enough of your combinations of amino acids and you're able to sustain and support your muscle skeletal development while you're under such high stress. So this is something that in general, I find my athletes do a little bit better when they do eat meats, just because it's a little easier to follow that kind of a plan. Does that make the plan better? No, it doesn't. It Does it make it easier for most athletes? Yes. Are there some athletes that probably need to get off of me entirely and just be vegan? Yeah, there are probably some. So these are just generalities and guidelines, but for the most part, my athletes eat meat and it's a little bit easier to follow and they get high, high levels of success. So I wouldn't stop them from doing it. But if I have an athlete who is vegan, the only thing that I discuss with them, make sure that you know what your combinations are, know what you're putting into your body, make sure you're planning things out properly so that you are not deficient. Yes. Whatever you're going to choose to do, do it smart, do it for a reason, do it carefully. And if you're a hardcore vegan and you want to tell us how wrong we are, send us an email, pendolaproject at gmail.com. And Pendola Project is on Facebook. Give us a like there. We're also on Instagram if you like pictures. And if you're listening on a podcast app, we would appreciate you writing a nice review of the show or tell a friend. Help us spread the word. 
And remember, every day, not just today, is a chance to try something new and be just a little bit better. Thanks for listening.